Bridges. Bridges. Thank you, guys. I just wanted to get you guys up here and involved. Um, so we are constantly building. We are constantly building something. So today, the title of my my sermon changed about 150 times over the last week. Um, is just simply building. What are we building? How are we building? Who are we building with? And what does building look like from a biblical perspective? Is it just God builds and we sit here and watch? Is it that we build and we just watch God and hope that he comes along with our plans? We're going to have a look at that. But I thought it would be important for us just to stop and reflect. So Shelby said, be still and know that he is Lord. But sometimes it's be still and reflect on what he has said and what he has done. And so over the last week, we've had apostolic input. We've had an equip that some people have been able to go to. And I know that it has created busyness in people's lives, running across town, trying to get there, and all that type of thing. Fighting traffic, taking leave. But I think the value in times like that can never be understated. It is always important to go to something like that, just to take a step back and see what we're part of. And I'm sure not only will you care about it, and I'm going to give you my takeaways from the two nights that I was able to to um, be there. And so I was there for two nights, on the Wednesday night and the Friday night, and I've got nine takeaways from it. And I'm not going to spend too much time on that. I'm not going to take too much time to go through the detail of this. But I just want you to see what my takeaways were. And then I want you to, as I preach, as I speak, just see the links, see the correlations of what I prepared two weeks ago before we even went on equip. God is definitely saying something, and God is definitely reminding us of something in this season and this, in this time. So my nine takeaways were this. God is calling his people to rise up. God is reminding us, or for some people, he is enlightening us to who he is. God is calling us to him. Knowing the ending helps us with the present. You can see I'm just rattling these off. I hope some of them kind of twigs something in your mind. God is wanting to break in and build with his people. We preach or live for a lack of criticism rather than for the power of God. That one struck me right here. When we are distracted by what God is not doing, we miss out on what he is doing. The kingdom that we are part of is unshakable in the shakings of this world. And then the last one is, Jesus came to reveal his kingdom. So these were just some of the takeaways that we took, and it leads in quite nicely to what I've been preparing. But I must first start with a confession. And confessions from the pulpit are always a little bit difficult. Either you see this preacher, this person standing up here is infallible as a person who has no faults, who has got everything together. But as I was sitting, looking out over the sea, thinking about what I, what I could share today, what I could do to bring glory to God, what I could do to share a message, what the message was, how I could be clever up on the front of the stage to make sure that everyone remembered what I said, how I could compete against the, the, the equipped messages that were brought, how I could stick out and stand out, I realized that there was a word that just kept on coming up too much, and that was the word I. 
God reminded me in that and he said, Richard, it's not you, it's me. And I think for many of us, we get into this point where we live in a performance-orientated world where everything is about performance. When we go to work, we go through a performance assessment every year to see how good we are at what we do. We are always being measured against something, always trying to perform or to be better than someone else, always trying to have a better YouTube channel, more better content on YouTube. We're always trying to do and be better than everyone else rather than trying to be that what God has called us to be. We try and make ourselves stand out. We live for a lack of criticism rather than for the power of God. And so in that teaching and in that moment where I sat there and I said, okay, Lord, if I don't have anything on Sunday, it's up to you. And he just dropped a message into my heart. He dropped a scripture. And that scripture was this. And if you want to turn with me, it's very short. In Psalms 127 verses 1 to 2, the scripture is this. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the gods stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. I was going to try and fit in building and watching into today's message, but then we would have been here for the next three weeks. Um, So I thought let's just focus on that, that element of unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. If we we turn to Haggai, the the prophet of Haggai in Haggai 1, 5 to 9, this is what it says. It says this. It says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. That's just a, a straight up warning that we must think about what we are doing and how we are doing it and why we are doing it. Are we doing it, again, back into this performance orientated mindset or are we doing it and are we building God's house? Is it what we do and what we say building God's house? He says, Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your full. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Almighty Lord, Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see it turned out to be little. What you brought home I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Quite a strong warning to to the nation is to stop building your house, build my house, and then your house will receive. It's the same of seek ye first the kingdom of God, build first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you. And so really a stark reminder to me that what we are building is not building for ourselves, but what we are building is building with the Lord and for the Lord. Everything we do, Every element of who we are, our character, is for the Lord and for the Lord's house that we need to be focused. So in 
in in thinking about this, one of the one of my favorite songs came to mind, and I, I need to just preface this is that I know everybody can listen to one song and have a completely different interpretation. So I went onto a website and just quickly had a look at the interpretations of the song, and it ranged from fathers and children to um, girlfriends and and boyfriends to God and His children. There was a mighty range, and I think a lot of the things that we see today are looked at through our filter, the kingdom filter and the cultural filter that we prescribe to. So if I prescribe to a Christian culture, it's very easy for me to take what God is saying in those, that song. And so you know, I'm just prefacing it because I don't want you to, as I say this, you hear something completely different and then say, oh, Richard, come on, let's have a chat about this. Your, your interpretation is completely wrong. So my interpretation of this song, Fool by Lifehouse, is this. Once I've given you the words, it says, Seems my own own arrogance has knocked me off my feet again. When you know I'm crawling to you as fast as I can. First teach me to walk, and then I'll learn to dance with you. Like an honest, clumsy clown tripping along the way. I don't believe God wants us to have it all together, and I've said at this point, on this pulpit before, saying exactly the the same thing. I don't believe God expects us to have it all together. But I do believe God wants us to be reaching out to him in all our circumstances and situations. I do believe God wants us to be building with him in all our circumstances and situations. And sometimes our arrogance, our desire to be more than what we are without him, restricts us from reaching him means that we end up on our knees trying to crawl to him rather than being able to walk into his presence like he has said we can he has said we can walk into the presence such wonderful words this morning about just being bringing glory to this king this king who allows us to build with him so i ask the the all-stars what what do we build and then you might say, well, we build buildings, we build cars, we build Lego blocks, we build all these types of things. But also we build things into other people's lives. We build other people up, we build into our own lives, we build into our family's lives. And so I went quickly and had a look at the job description of a builder according to the most um, kind of rigid building nation that I know of, the Australians, just from the house uh, that we watch, or the block, or whatever it is. Um, and I had a look and saw what it is that they say builders do. And so builders don't just get a hammer and nail cross beams into a house. Builders don't just put plaster on on bricks. Builders don't just do that kind of that construction element of what we see. Builders do a lot more than that. And so God is saying... That unless I build with you, and it's not just if I construct something with you, but if I do other things with you. And so when we look at that builder's, builder's job description, um, and you'll, uh, we'll share the slides at some stage. But the builder's job description shows us that there's just a lot of detail behind what they do. They take plans to, to officers to get them approved. They um, co- They coordinate with other builders to make sure that they're building in the same time. They do a lot more than just construction. They um, are responsible, in Australia, they are responsible for buying the material, sourcing the material, sourcing the fittings, sourcing all that type of thing. 
Um, so I think everyone's now saying, well, maybe Colette is a builder after what she's done in this, this place over the last couple of months. But you can see there, there's a, there's a long, long list of what, what a builder does, and it's not restricted to just construction. And so I believe God is saying that he doesn't want to just build, construct with us, but he wants to be involved in everything we do. He wants to be involved in the planning. So if we look through the Bible, God was planning the construction of his temple with Moses, of the tabernacle with Moses. There's a planning element to what we do in, in our building. In the Bible, we talk, we talk quite often about the wise man builds his house upon the, the rock. So part of the building is, is creating a firm foundation. And part of what we need to do is make sure that we're creating that firm foundation in our lives. Sometimes we have to build, and this was a building, but there was also a planning to it. We have to build the ark. We have to be the first people to do something. We have to be pioneers in changing the way things are done. We have to build like Noah built the ark with faith, and knowing that God will be there with us because he has said he will be there with us. And because he wants to be involved in the building process, he has said, unless the Lord builds a house. So unless he is in the thing, it won't really bear fruit. It will be in vain. Okay. And then there was Nehemiah, who was also a builder. But his building was to repair a wall. So it wasn't necessarily that he was building up from, from the beginning, at the start. So you'll see that building takes place at various stages. And what my message to you is, it doesn't matter where you are in your walk. You might be that broken wall. You might be a Nehemiah coming up to a wall that is broken and torn down. But he's saying, he is saying, I will build with you. I will repair with you. I will put the stones back in place. I will plan and I will give you the people around you to be able to repair. Don't try and build this by your own. Could you imagine Nehemiah trying to build the wall again by himself? He would still be there. Because he only, not only did he have to rebuild the wall, but there was also an opposition that he had to face while he was rebuilding the wall. So for him to deal with the rebuilding of the wall and to fight the fights that were going on, my personal opinion is that it would have been impossible. He needed a team around him to build. So we're not building by ourselves. We're not that one person on an island building, trying to do what it is that God has called us to do by ourselves. He's put us in a team. He's put us in a local community, and he's put people around us to help us build. So what are some of the important elements that I see in building with God? Where he says that he wants to build with us, what are some of those important elements that we need to take into consideration? So firstly, the builder has to be brought into the, the, into the crew that he's working with. He can't be kind of working on some other project or something else. So accepting the finished work of the cross and of the empty tomb. We sometimes end it at the, the cross and say that we've accepted the finished work of the cross, but also finish, accepting the finished work of the empty tomb. So I know we sit in a local community where people are at different phases and different stages of their walk with God. I know different people are having different struggles and different elements of questioning of who he is. And does he really say what he, is he really who he, he says he is? I know some people are there. Some people have not accepted this king and are just having a look and trying to say, what is this really all about? 
Some people are at different phases of their walk with Christ. And so, for me, it's important that we've accepted that. We've accepted who He is. We can't build with Him if we haven't accepted who He is and what He's done for us. It says in John 14, verse 6, and I know we've heard this verse last week, and I'm just, again, I started this preach two weeks ago, so I was astounded by the fact that God has confirmed so many things to me on my personal walk with Him and my stepping back into that building with Him rather than building by myself um, along the way. It says here, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So no one builds unless you've come through Jesus Christ. Challenge for everyone today is what is your, what is your relationship like with him? Where are you with him? Have you accepted that he is King of kings and Lord of lords in your life? Have you accepted but started to doubt? Have you accepted and clung onto him with all your life and you're in that place of of great satisfaction and building. I know people are in different places. And God is saying and through this verse and through what he said to me, he's saying, come build with me again. Come build. If you haven't started building with me, come build with me. Come into my kingdom. Come and know who I am. The second element is we need to be a building with a firm foundation of him, on him. Building with the right motivations. One of the famous, most famous buildings in the Bible was the Tower of Babel. And if you hear the motivation behind why they built the Tower of Babel, it struck me. It says here in Genesis 11 verses 4, it says, Come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. You see that arrogance of wanting to do it for myself wanting to build this tower that everyone can see so that I can be famous, so that I can stick out above the crowd. I can be, you go to, go to um, places like Malaysia where the buildings stretch for 100, 100 stories up so that I can be that building that is 100 stories. And then the guy next to him is building a, 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 a tower of 101 stories just to be a little bit higher and to say that I am the highest building. So many times we build to be the highest building and to be closer to God and to be, but we realize that, we don't realize that our motivation is sometimes selfish, sometimes arrogance, sometimes not where God would have us build. The third focus area is kingdom focus. Tyron Daniels reminded us that Jesus came to reveal the kingdom to the people. He came to reveal what the kingdom was. In his, uh, in his podcast, um, David Pawson on um, Unlocking the Bible says, that, says this, that the Bible is not there to prove that there is a God. And everyone goes, <gasps> but it is there to reveal God to the people. So the Bible is not there to prove God. That's a given. There is a God. He is our king. He is our Lord. The Bible is there to reveal who this God is to us. And as we go through the stories and as we go through his account, we see that Jesus was focused on the kingdom. When he was building with his disciples, he was building in order to bring his kingdom on earth. 
to reveal a little bit more of what his kingdom was all about. This unshakable kingdom. If we're building on unsolid ground, we become shakable. But he's saying, if you build on my kingdom, which is the rock, which is not the sand, you will be unshakable as part of this kingdom. Tyron reminded us as well, he did a whole preach on uh, on the kingdom and probably would be good to, to go and, and listen to it when it comes out. But he did a whole preach on it just to remind us once again why and what we are here for. We are for here, here for Jesus and we are here for the kingdom. And that's it. It says in Matthew sixteen nineteen verse 20, it talks about storing up treasures. And where do we store up our treasures? Where do we build? He reminded us of... And this for me was very profound, is that the reminders of the parable, the story about the, the kingdom is like a treasure in a field, that someone sells everything to buy that, that field. But sometimes we can buy everything, sell everything, and buy that field, and forget about the treasure that is in that field, and start looking after the field rather than look, having our focus on that treasure that was there. And so we then end up building over over the treasure that was on the field, or we mow our grass over the treasure that is in that field, rather than having the treasure as the primary reason that we are in that field. A lot of what, what I'm saying today, we've said already this year. And it's a little bit of a reminder of what God is doing and how he's doing it. If we go to the next one, it says, build by using the gifts. And we've read this how many times at the beginning of the year? Romans 12, verses 3 to 8 says, For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. We read that so many times during the beginning of this year, but I never saw that element of it. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with one many members, and many members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belonging to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. It is, if it is giving, then give generous, generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I just th- was thinking back on that series. And it's so easy to move on from a series and say, okay, well, that was a series, very good, move on. But I have seen, and I, I must encourage you all, I have seen people realizing that this is my gift and this is with what I must build. And so my gift is serving, and so therefore I have put myself out there to serve and be part of the serving team. My gift is to prophesying, so to prophesy, so I've stepped out and I've brought words. My gift is to teach, so I've come down on a Thursday evening to learn about how to preach and how to teach. It's been so encouraging to see what's been taking place. But it's just a good reminder every now and again just to take a step back and to say, from who? Did my gifts come? For who were my gifts given? I need to constantly be assessing 
how he wants me to utilize my gifts. It shouldn't be that I've made a decision that this is what it's going to be. And for the next 70 years, that's what I do. We need to be constantly assessing what God is putting in our heart and what God is building so that we can get behind it and utilize our gifts to do that. And the other element is it's never too late to start using them. So Aubrey shared with us and challenged us last week. He said, what is God commanding you at this stage? What is God commanding you? Khada shared with us just a, a reminder the other day that it's not too late to get onto the train. It's never too late to get onto the train. And getting onto the train means identifying where you are situated in according with God and then getting onto the train. Being part of what's going on here at Grace Cove is one element. But being part of what is, God is doing globally is another element. It was so encouraging just to see just a consistency in God's word at the equip. There wasn't a fluttering that someone was saying this and someone was saying this. There was definitely a line that God's saying, I want to use you. I want to build with you for my kingdom and my kingdom's sake. So it's never too late to get onto the train. It's never too late to use the giftings. You might say, well, I've taken seven months to get there, um, so I'll never get there. I'll never utilize my gifts as they, we spoke about. I want to say, I want to say something, but I should say it more politely. Um, I don't believe that is true. I believe God wants this time for his kingdom, and he wants to build with you. He's saying to some of you, I'm calling you to build with me again. I'm calling you to build with me again. I'm calling you to bring glory and honor to me by rebuilding my house in your lives, in the lives of your families, in the lives of the friends, in the lives of your neighbors, in the lives of the church, in the lives of youth, in the lives of kids. I'm calling you again to start building. So just very quickly, I'm not going to take too much time on the next section. But what does to labor in vain mean? And I'm just going to give you these four points, and then I'm going to move to the last section and wind down. So to labor in vain, we all know Ecclesiastes 1, 1 verse 4 says, meaningless, everything is meaningless unless it is done with God. So to labor in vain means to build something that has no long-term legacy or eternal value. We might think that I'm laboring in vain here on earth, because nothing is producing fruit and it's a struggle and every day is just a fight. But what you're doing is you're creating a long-term legacy if you're building with God. You're building something with eternal value. The other element is to miss out on the offer and the will of God and the will that God has for you. To, le- to toil endlessly with no objectives or goals and to miss the opportunity for true rest. Remember, it says in, 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 this, in, the, in our key verse, it says this, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. He grants sleep to those who build with him. He grants sleep to the righteous. Challenge that in many of the Psalms we see David saying, but the unrighteous are prospering. The unrighteous are doing so well. The unrighteous are doing this. In Psalm 73 it says, but as for me, my feet have almost slipped. I've, I've nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. But he goes on to end that psalm. And I think this is a lot of 
what we need to take out of these psalms is not where it starts, but where he finishes. And he finishes here. He says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of your deeds. I will build with my king. And then lastly, we just look at building with God. What will building with God result in? So we talk about laboring in vain. But if we, don't, if we build with God, he says it's not in vain. It's, uh, it's fruitfulness. And so the four points here are if we labor with God, he adds values to others now and to eternity. We will have the opportunity to add and to sow into people's lives for their current circumstances and situations and for their eternity. The other element will be we add value to oneself, to ourselves. And yes, there is a selfish element of it. But yes, we do. We store up treasures in heaven when we act and we are on the behalf of our king and with our king. We, blame, we make place for the next generation. And so, again, I'd lo- love to have called up the, the All-Stars kids and had the All-Stars kids here, then had the, the youth here, then had um, the 20-somethings here, then all well, the 20-somethings or maybe still youth. The 30-somethings, yeah, the 40-somethings, the 50-somethings, the 60-somethings. If you look through our church, how wonderful is it is that we have zero to, I'm not going to give anyone's age away. We've got a diverse genera- generational element to who we are as a church. Just as we are diverse in many other ways as in this church, we are diverse as well from an age group concept. And so when we were singing that song of a thousand generations um, during the equip, I had a picture, a picture of the fact that we, as we stand here today, sometimes feel that we're toiling and, and breaking new ground. And yes, we are. But we're also standing on the shoulders of giants that have come before us. And part of working and building with God is that we have the privilege of being able to build on the foundations that some other people have created for us. We have the privilege to be able to stand on the shoulders of others to be able to impact the nations and the world. But with that comes the challenge of saying, am I prepared to let someone stand on my shoulders? Is the work and the foundations and the buildings and the, the lifestyles and the family unit that I'm building, is it enabling someone else to come and stand on my shoulders so that they can be stronger into the generations to come? We don't build for now. We build for the generations to come. And the last, last one on that list, and this might be like, but Richard, now you've kind of built us up and now you throw this one out there. It says, means looking foolish in the eyes of the world. The building with God will make us look like fools. Can I just say that? It will make us look completely anti-culture. It will make us look like we do not want to conform. It will make us look like... It will make us look different. It will make us look incredibly different to this world. And in the wisdom of the world, that is foolish. But in the wisdom of our king, that is wisdom. And I think this is what we live for. The song 
finishes. It says, I am stumbling to you. I am stumbling to you. But you can't, but I can't hear your, and I can hear your voice. It says, at the end, it says, and I will be a fool for you. My interpretation again is that this is me to my God saying, I don't care what this world says I should be and what I shouldn't be. I don't care how they picture me. I don't care about performance orientation anymore. I care about what my king wants from me. I care what my king is putting in my heart and saying is wisdom. Interestingly enough, if you read Eugene Peterson's version of 1 Corinthians 3.18, it says here, and it's in the middle section there, it says, Don't fool yourself. Don't think that you can be wise merely by, by being relevant. So let me say that again. Don't fool yourselves. Don't think that you can be wise merely by being relevant. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, as it is written. He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So my challenge to myself as I sat there looking out over the sea was how can I make it not about me? How can I make it about him? How can I make sure that everything that I do, all the building that I do, is not about personal gain, but it's about him? And I hope today has just given you some element of that. Aubrey said to us last week, and I've mentioned this already, um, what is God commanding you? And I think part of the answer is God is commanding you to build with him again. He's saying, come and build with me again. He's saying, I want to build with you. One of those key points that I took from, uh, from this week was that God wants, is wanting to break in and build with his people. He's wanting to break in, which means that he's wanting to infiltrate your life. He's wanting to infiltrate your family's life. He's wanting to infiltrate everything about you. And he's wanting to say, I'm here building with you. Will you build with me? And so that's the challenge. The challenge is take up the command of building with him, doing that what he has called you to do, and being aware that it will mean being foolish in this world. It will mean opposition, as Nehemiah faced opposition and needed to bring teams around him. It will mean feeling isolated at times. But the reality is that we don't do this thing in isolation. We do this together. It was so cool this week. I just put a message on the group because I was preaching. And um, I was also supposed to be taking up tithes and offerings at the same time. So I was just trying to work out how exactly I'd do that. Um, so I put on the group, anyone can stand in for me. And within three minutes, there was someone that said that they could stand in. I nearly, nearly said to them, okay, you preach. And I'll do the collection of the tithes and offerings. But um, I don't think that would have gone well down well on a Friday night. So, y'all, what is the challenge? What are you building? How are you building it? And are you building it with him? Thank you, Richard. And thank you, Lord, for the awesome word. Um, yeah, thank you, everyone, for coming. Remember, next week is City Celebration. You don't want to miss it.